You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast for the Ides of February. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Brutal Legend. I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not Gay Dragon. That's not a game. Uh, that's how it is. Uh, my game of the week is not Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. All right. Hmm. Well, that's at least one of us who's, well, who's probably not picking that for game of the week. All right, we'll see how it rolls yeah. out. So, Jason, you got cut off a little bit. Uh, because it's going to be really confusing to folks listening, I just want to make clear we have Jason Cross on one yes. hand. Hello. That is and me. That is him. And we have Jason R. McMaster on the other hand. So rather than try to just say, hey, Jason, and then have them both talk, McMaster, I'm going to call you Jason Beta. Oh. Jason Cross, you're Jason Alpha. What do you think of that? Uh, I think that works fine. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I don't I don't want there to be any perceived value judgment in the designated uh, names. So well, which one of us is older? Um, well, I turn 35 tomorrow. Okay, so I'm older, so that's it's, yeah. then if, therefore it's appropriate that I'm Jason Alpha. We'll do it that way. Everybody, everybody's older than me, the I, I think, for some reason. Most people. Uh, I think I know people who aren't McMaster, so I, I can what? right away say that you are incorrect. I know Bill Abner, and he's older than me. Does that count? Uh, if Bill, if Bill is the sum total of everybody, then you would that's, be correct. Yes, no, that's proof. He knows a guy who's older, therefore. Everybody there you have it. I think I, I think I've said this before, but I once had someone tell me, and he was in complete earnest. Uh, it didn't even occur to him the ridiculousness of the comment. He once said to me, "You know, it seems like everyone I know is either older than me or younger than me." That's, <laughs> I've noticed that too. That has struck me a few times yeah. as well. Uh, Jason Cross, you're in the Bay Area. How are things there these days? Um, it's good. We didn't have winter, so that's kind of nice. Um, and it's just rainy a bit, but other than that, yeah, okay. we got no winter. I mean, you, you're used to not getting winter. I don't even know what that means. In, yeah, yeah you live in L.A., so I mean, I've seen, no you know, I have seen winter in movies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it doesn't snow here, but it does get cold and rainy, and this year it kind of just didn't get cold and rainy. It just kind of got slightly cooler than usual San Francisco weather. Well, Jason Cross, a.k.a. Jason Alpha, I'm going to be up there in about a month. What do I need to know to prepare for several days in the Bay Area? Always bring a light jacket and an um, uh, an umbrella. Do I need a hat? Wrong. Uh, no, not unless you like hats, but okay. <laughs> a light right. jacket and an umbrella. That goes year-round, August, anything. Like, in San Francisco, you never know. It, it You'll... You'll, it'll be nice and warm and nice out during the day, and then 8 o'clock at night when you're going to get some dinner, it's cold and you wish you had your jacket. So always bring a light jacket. You know, let's talk about this a minute, because I, I have to confess to you, Jason Alpha Cross, I'm a little jealous because every time I go to the Bay Area, I really like it up there, and it's kind of cool, yeah. and I think, wow, this would be awesome to live here. Let's say, now, awesome. are you originally from there, or are you an import? I'm an import. Uh, I grew up in Florida, and then I lived in Vermont for a while. So then when you – oh, that's right. I knew that. Uh, so then when you have folks come visit you from out of town, here in Los Angeles, we show them those stupid stars on Hollywood Boulevard, the things on the sidewalk. What do you, what do, you do with, like, your folks or whatever when they come into San Francisco? 
Alcatraz. Really? That Golden sounds Gate, kind Alcatraz, of, Golden Gate Bridge, stuff like that. Straight to Alcatraz. <laughs> you just yeah. is that they stay there? <laughs> you do drop them off, and <laughs> this is where your accommodations they make, are. They, they make you come back at the end of the day. It's not. It's not cool. Now, wait a minute. Alcatraz sounds like one of those little chintzy touristy things, and you know maybe that's the point because they're out of towners. But uh, is, yeah. is it cool to go to Alcatraz, or is it chintzy and touristy? You know, well, I mean, it is a tourist trap in the sense that you know it's. It, it, there's no reason for locals to go or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. um, but it's not. It's not really lame and commercialized. It's actually. It's actually a national park. So it's run by park rangers and stuff. And when you go out there, it's you know you can take a tour. A park ranger will give you a tour of the island and describe stuff and all. And there's you know the little audio tours you can get where you get a headset. You go to different things around the jail cell and around the island and you listen to number 42 and it tells you things and that's actually really cool it's i always tell people you know get the audio tour for 10 bucks or whatever because it plays all these cool sound effects in the background like as the people describe what the prison was like back when it was operational and everything so it's pretty cool yeah. That uh, so uh, uh, there's this Rossini opera called the William Tell Overture, and it has a famous uh, or called William Tell, and the overture to it is kind of famous, and everyone knows it. Sure. It's a beautiful piece of music, but everyone listens to it and they think Lone Ranger, which is a, a terrible thing to do to a beautiful piece of music like that. When you go to Alcatraz, does something similar happen? Where you're seeing this historical landmark, it's a national park, and all you can think of is the Michael Bay movie The Rock. A little bit for yeah. me. Because I was like the last of his movies I liked, <laughs> and it, now it's not a good movie. But the time it came out, the age I was then, it was really fun. And uh, yeah, that's everything since then just makes me cringe. All right. Well, you know what? If I was going to stay longer in San Francisco, I might go to Alcatraz, but I'm not going to. So I'm afraid I'm going to miss it this time. Uh, yeah. do, will you be coming in G- for GDC though? Yeah, GDC. Will you be there, Jason Alpha Cross? Uh, possibly. Probably not all three days, but I'll probably be there for at least some of the time. And uh, somebody always organizes a quarter three dinner thing, and I'll definitely do that. Good. Well, I look forward to uh, meeting you then. So, uh, Well, Jason Alpha Cross, we have invited you here today for News of the Week and Games of the Week. Uh, but before we do that, I would like to engage you in a brief match of Stump, Jason R. McMaster. That sounds awesome. So oh, wait, before we start that, yeah. uh, is Jason R. Beta McMaster going to be at GDC? Jason R. Beta McMaster, come to GDC for Pete's sake. I wish I was. I wish I could. Oh. Have uh, you ever met Jason R. McMaster? Would you- no. Uh, every, time, or every year that I've been able to go, I couldn't get an invite, and every year that I, you know, vice versa, so... Uh, GDC is like um, E3, but but without sucking. <laughs> That's how I would That's, describe it. Man, I'd love to go to some place that is like E3, except it doesn't suck. Yeah, uh, I hear that Disneyland is also like that. <laughs> you heard wrong. <laughs> uh, all right, so here the the rules of Stump Jason R. McMaster are pretty simple. Uh, Jason Cross, we're going to ask him a question. And whichever one of us can get him to not correctly answer the question first wins the game. So it's kind of uh, a- okay. Now the question should relate to. Are you ready for this? 
The TV show Modern Family. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. I will start out. All right. Here we go. Jason R. McMaster, if you do not get this question right, I win. Here's the question. Who is hotter on Modern Family? The guy, the guy, the dude from, uh, and I'm going to screw up his name. Ed, oh, Ed O'Neill or Sofia Vergara? Who is hot? Ed O'Neill or the the woman that plays his wife? Correct. Which one of them uh, is hotter? Whoo, that's a toughie. Uh, I remember Ed O'Neill from back in his uh, Ford Fairlane days uh, when he was singing Booty Time, which is such a grand song. He was a sexy man, but I'm going to go with a uh, I'm going to go with option B. Oh, that was close. I thought you were going to get it wrong. You are correct. Sophia Vergara is hotter than Ed O'Neill. All right, Jason Alpha Cross. Now it's your chance, if you get the point you win, to stump Jason R. McMaster with a question relating to Modern Family. I'm hoping maybe you've never seen it, in which case I'll probably win. No, I've seen it. I like that. All right. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Okay. What is, let's see. Um, What is the name of the dog, you know how they, the, the, oh. the, not the name of the dog, the name of the dog who plays the dog, not the name on the show. What's the name of the dog actor? Wow, that's a tough or one, act- Master. I, I, would, I would be stumped there as well. Um, hmm. Bob Costas. <laughs> Was he close, Jason Cross? It does begin with a B. <laughs> Apparently, the dog's name is Brigitte. Now, why would so the dog is Stella, of course. The dog is Stella on this show, yes. Why would you know the dog actor's name, Jason Cross? Because I just looked it up so that I could stump McMaster. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. I just want you to know, uh, and no offense. You didn't say that wasn't in the rules. No, you're right. You're correct. But I just want you to know, uh, and I don't mean this as any sort of offense to Jason R. McMaster, but you really don't have to resort to the Internet to stump him. Oh. Well, I was just going to ask what the dog's name was, but I figured he might get that. Would you have gotten that, McMaster? Do you know the dog's name is Stella? Maybe. I do now. <laughs> as far as you know. <laughs> That's a very good point. Uh, all right, well, I'm glad that we're all Modern Family uh, fans, because I tend to have to uh, admit that with some sheepishness uh, around most folks. So. Oh, no. What's wrong with Modern Family? Uh, I can answer that question. Uh, I don't know if it was rhetorical, but I think what's wrong with it is that it's uh, it's carefully engineered product uh, that has all the hallmarks of standard uh, sort of safe, non-edgy network TV. Um, yes. The cast sure. is erratic. That, that poor little kid who plays Manny is awful. Um, a lot of times the writing sure. is really pedestrian. Um, and it's just but if, the, if you're, if you're not in sitcom, that, it's, it's really good. Yes. I agree. I agree. If you can accept the sitcom formula, I think it's about as good as it gets. Uh, it is. It is a standard ABC primetime sitcom formula sitcom, but I like it anyway. I do as well. Uh, I, like I like a lot of like people, people on that show in a lot of ways. And you're right, Manny's not that great, but I kind of feel sorry for the kid too. I feel bad. Like. I don't know. I'm sure he's a nice. Maybe he's just bad by comparison because everybody else in the show is really good. Yeah, that's that. Like, so yeah, on on any other show, like on something on CBS or something, I'm sure he'd be fine. You know, yeah, or something. Yeah. He's... Yeah, exactly. Have him play a detective or a child doctor. That'd be great. No sure, I think that would work. 
Uh, all right, so uh, Jason Cross, you have won the Stump McMaster contest. Congratulations. That Sweet. means, Jason Cross, you get to pick not only who goes first for News of the Week, but whether we do News of the Week first or Games of the Week. And who dies last. Let's... There's no dying on this podcast. Oh, I was just <laughs> Let's do News of the Week. News of the Week, awesome. Who is going yes. first, Jason Cross? Um, you are, Tom Chick. Awesome. Uh, you know what? My News of the Week is actually not really appropriately timed, but because we have you here, okay. Jason Cross, I, I, have, yeah. I have jiggered it because I specifically want your opinion on this thing. Uh, okay. My News of the Week, it's, you might say that it's forward-looking. Actually, no. before news of the week, a real quick. Uh, this isn't news of the. This is kind of news, but it's more like a public service announcement. A really cool tower defense game that I liked called Unstoppable Gorg. Uh, it now has a demo available. So that's a quick public service announcement preceding my news of the week. Now, my actual news of the week is that next week the PS Vita comes out, uh, and uh, coverage is, is showing up this week. Uh, so we're seeing some folks writing about the Vita. Yeah. Uh, and the various releases. <laughs> I'm going to call it that because vitamin. You know, you don't say yeah. vitamin, you say vitamin. So, so they they do in some parts of the world. Vitamin, right? I'm going to call it the Vita. Yeah. Call it the Vita. No, we're not in England. We're not in England. We had an English fellow on the podcast earlier. Then we would have called it that. But for all intents and purposes, I think it's the Vita. So the Vita comes out next week. We're seeing coverage of it. Uh, it's going to be a $250 uh, platform. Um, it's a little handheld from Sony, of course. If you want the 3G connection, it's going to be $300. However, yes. hold on, hold on. Don't put your wallet up yet, McMaster. We oh. still need you to keep your wallet out because you have to buy okay. a memory stick. Okay, so we need yes. you to add a few extra dollars. Okay, now, now, uh, hold on, hold on. Don't put it up yet, McMaster. Hold on. I'm excited. Hold on. Don't put your credit card up. Keep that out because the the game's for forty dollars each. All right. At least. Now well, wait. wait. Most of them are thirty. Mm, come on, are you serious? I went to GameSpot. Stop. Wait, I went to the one that's a store uh, before we recorded, and it seemed like everything was thirty nine ninety nine. Am I wrong about that? Um, let me see. It could be uh, all the, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of them are thirty nine and a lot are twenty nine. Right, there are some that are twenty nine. Not now, however, McMaster, don't put your wallet up. Keep it out because we're going to need another ten dollars from you if you want the Uncharted game because I show that one as being forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, that's what excites that me. a full major yeah. price game. Yeah. Uh, also, McMaster, hold on, McMaster, don't put the wallet up. I keep seeing you thinking you're done paying, but you're not done paying. Uh, if you want any backwards compatibility with your UMDs, you know, the games you've been playing on the PSP, you're going to need to re- rebuy them on the PlayStation. Yes. I am excited about this. <laughs> okay. Now, having having said all that, so real quick, McMaster, are you genuinely excited about the, the PlayStation Vita? No. Um, there's nothing I really want on it. Uh, you know, I, well, other than Hot Shots Golf, which probably puts me in the minority. But, uh, but yeah. So, Jason Cross, how do you feel about yeah. that? Well, uh, it does come out next week, but actually it kind of comes out this week because yeah. they've been selling this thing called a first bundle where you get the 3G Wi-Fi version and a game and a 4-gig memory card for uh, 350 and you get it tomorrow. You get it a week early. Ah. So, um, uh, so it actually, that's why you're seeing all the coverage now. Um but we have one at work, and I've been playing around with it, and um, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a great piece of hardware, mm-hmm. and the games are really nice, and it's not going to matter because it's everybody's portable 
Yeah, everybody's portable gaming has become, well, I have this thing in my pocket all the time that plays games, and those games cost anything from 3 to $5. I'm not going to spend $30 on games anymore, no matter right. how much better or bigger or whatever they are. So, I mean, it is. It's a gorgeous device. The screen is awesome. It the, the hardware is really, really nice. The interface, the, like, UI stuff is terrible, just terrible. Oh, really? Again, Absolutely. you'd think that after the PS3 they would have uh, hammered those details. Oh, uh, isn't it something oh, like you can't scroll with, like, the D-pad or something like that? You have to use the touch you, screen. You wouldn't want to because it's really not made for that. It'd be kind of no. like using a D-pad on your iPhone or something. It's, it's totally not. But it's this jumble of cards you swipe through and bubbles you tap on and then... Hmm. Things like your friends list is not just your friends list and messaging and all that stuff isn't an integrated part of one PlayStation Network menu. It's they're all separate apps and stuff. It's it's a mess. It's that part. Somebody needs to teach Sony how to make it a decent UI. But the games are fantastic. They're well, I mean, they're launch games, so some of them are not fantastic, but they're they're big, lush, you know, big boy games that aren't like little cell phone games, and they're look beautiful and the screen's great and nobody wants to spend $250 on a portable game console so that they can well, spend 30 bucks on a game. Well, here's the thing. Nobody wants to spend $250 again on a freaking PSP. It's like they, they just can't handle the fact that people would like to be able to play their older PSP games. So like, let's change formats, what, twice now? Uh, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, it is. But, the, but you know, and, and I can't fault them for, you know, wanting to get away from UMDs, which was a bad idea to begin oh, with. Oh, yeah, sure. It's, it's awful. Still, you know, it, it's even if you just want to play new games, people want to just download a game for $5 now, and they can do that on their phone, and they yeah. don't want to go to the store and buy a $30 cartridge or save a whopping, like, $4 to buy it download it online you know that's uh, yeah so. you know and i think that you're going to start seeing like iphone and games and stuff start costing a good bit more yeah. master don't yeah, say that not, don't say that people will hear you they might get not, ideas not no it's gonna happen but not 30 dollars. that's the trick you know it, as long as it isn't 30 dollars, they win i think that <laughs> i think the uh the gold that everybody kind of sees in the west when it comes to the iPhone stuff is not pricing higher. It's pricing lower and making people buy all this crap inside the game. Right, but I think that gonna, gonna see that has to collapse eventually, though, because it's, it's kind of like a weird model that isn't all that great. Well, uh, Jason Cross, what have you uh, – so you've, you've seen one at work. Have you spent any appreciable yeah. amounts of time with any of the games? Are there any of the games yeah. that you feel that you can recommend at this point, or have you just sort of looked at them a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I played a few hours. Um, Luminous is great if you like Luminous. It's yeah, that's Luminous nice. Ad, but um, it's it's great. Um, I have to say real quick, that's the main reason of all the releases. Yeah. The only thing that I'm like, I really wish I could play that would be a new Luminous. Uh, yeah, and, and is it's it new? Not, it's new, but it's new like the way they make new Tetris games. It's pretty much the same game. Right. <laughs> There's new music and stuff, but you know they're not gonna totally changed the formula on you. Uh, the Rayman game is great. Um, now, I have a question about that real quick. So uh, is yes. it just a port of Rayman Origins? 
It is exactly the same as the other console version. For Pete's sake. Well, I, I don't care about that then. I mean, I love well, I, I love that game, but... Uh, yes, I, if you I, have it on the console, it doesn't matter. But if you don't, then it's, right. you're not getting a cut-back version in any way, right? which is nice. Well, um, there are a few and, titles and, like that. There's also a Virtua Tennis 4, an Ultima, Marvel vs. Capcom, and a Blaze Blue game. And as far as I know, all four of those are just straight-up ports of their, their Big Brother uh, uh, console system counterparts. Yeah. Uh, all right, so, uh, so so Luminous you've looked at. Uh, you like the Rayman Origins. What else grabbed your attention? Uh, I am not into... I can't play, like, fighting games on handheld yeah. consoles and I was stuff, wondering but about the, that. But <laughs> the Marvel Capcom is a really excellent board. You know, that's mm. really good. And Uncharted is probably the most like a traditional console experience game we've ever seen on a handheld. It's it's as close to playing in front of your TV kind of game uh, as they've ever made. Now, okay, so I want to I wanna, uh, call you out a little bit on that. When you say that, because there have been plenty of, like, Tomb Raiders and shooters and stuff you could play on the PSP, and, and there's a great Resident Evil uh, on the Nintendo DS, 3DS oh, now, for instance. Yeah. So when you say that, Jason, uh, can you elaborate a little bit? Like, what is it about this uh, Uncharted Golden Abyss that, that makes you sort of talk about it in these superlative terms? Well, I haven't. I haven't played it to the extent where I know how long it is or anything, right. but it has uh, a level of. I mean, the, the hardware is just more powerful, so it's closer to okay. the graphics and stuff you get on the PS3. The cutscenes are there, the voice acting's there, the environments that you get all these wacky different environments and stuff that they do all this, you know, globe trotting stuff in in Uncharted. You get all of that instead of getting. Uh, there's been a few and things like Spec Ops types things and stuff on the PSP that were or Metal Gear where you know it's a lot like the home game the console game except the graphics are so cut back that you feel like you're getting this lesser thing. Sure. Uh, and you don't really feel like you're getting a lesser game. It's the graphics aren't. It's not the PS3, but it's way better than you know the PS2 or anything. So right. it's it's pretty close. I, I I'm not such a fan that I'm going to go spend the full $50 to buy it, you know. Right, on, right. I, I think they're asking a lot for that game. Right. Uh, have you looked at the new Wipeout? I did. Uh, I played that for, you know, a good half hour or so, and I, I can't get into Wipeout anyway. Like, I feel like I've been playing the same Wipeout game since <laughs> they introduced it on the PS1. It's like, oh, I'm in these triangles that go really fast, uh, and I hit these little speed-up things, and I grab the missile lock and I shoot the uh, I feel like I'm playing the same game every time fair enough <laughs> okay. so it's if you love there's some people who are super serious about Wipeout and there's a whole story continuity and stuff that I just don't get and people who are really into it are thrilled to have the same game again they're like yeah they didn't mess it up this is Wipeout you know and I, I play it and I just feel like I'm playing the PS1 game with like changed graphics every time sure sure uh, so all right, and I'm sure you spent a lot of time with uh, Reality Fighters, which is one of those augmented reality games you take a picture where you like it's like you kicking and punching and things, right? Like you, you yeah. must have loved that, Jason Cross. I did not even I did not touch it. We didn't try that out. <laughs> what about uh, there's a mini game collection called Little Deviance. Is that up your alley? Uh, no, I wanted to try it out because I just wanted to see. It, it's one of the f- few like original IP kind of things they're doing. Right. In the launch lineup, but I, I didn't get to just try it yet. All right, all right. 
Uh, well, McMaster, are you sold? Has Jason Cross talked to you into shelling out? Leave your wallet out. Uh, has he talked to you into shelling out for a brand new PS Vita and five or six games and an expensive memory card? Yeah, as soon as uh, the inevitable price drop hits when they realize they're losing. Well, you know, then McMaster- I get all the great games because who would purchase? Like, you know, I buy a lot of stuff at launch, but yeah. Not this one. Uh, I'm tired of purchasing Sony's handheld crap. They're always like, everything they do, almost every format they start, fails. And uh, It's like they have the coolest hardware and the coolest ideas, and then they just sabotage it. It's like, I told a friend of mine earlier, it's like watching the producers. You know, it's like you got to wonder, is there like an angle? That they're going for, that they just want, like, oh, let's make another failed attempt at uh, making everybody spend a million dollars. I want, yeah, it's going to be expensive. Uh, it's it, We don't even call it a console. Uh, remember those quotes? I mean, it, oh, God. It's, I don't understand what they're doing. It, uh, yeah. Uh, I think what they're doing is they're chasing the success of the DS, it sounds like to me. Uh, you know, they don't want to let go of that yet. Uh, and that, that's my theory there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. the DS is something that you give your kids, and it's got its own niche that I uh, don't think they're really competing with that well. Yeah, I mean, well, i got to give... I got to give Microsoft some credit on this one where, you know, for the last, you know, four or five years, people have been asking where the portable Xbox is. And Microsoft kept saying, well, no, we think phones is going to be where right. people place their right. games. And this was when the DS was blowing up and everything. And everybody's like, eh, I don't know about that. And I'm so glad they didn't spend three years developing and who knows how much money developing some portable Xbox that then would have come out just maybe a year ago, maybe at most or two years ago at, you know, at, at the best or now. And we'd all be doing the same thing going, who's going to go spend 300 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever on another portable system with its own proprietary games and so on yeah. and so forth. When I've got my iPhone, uh, they, they kind of called that one. They kind of, I mean, yeah, their, phones, I, their phone platform is struggling on that. Oh, well, That's a yeah, separate issue, but they were at least smart enough to not chase a separate portable proprietary hardware game system. Right. Did you notice, like, the deluge of Microsoft apps? It just, it just came out, like, all over the iPhone store, like, over the last month or two. Yeah, it's like somebody said, yeah, okay. We're, it's like somebody lifted the ban internally yeah. and said, yes, you can yeah. make it for iPhone. And they said, all right, yeah. Yeah, we've already had these ready, so uh, let's just go ahead and submit them. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, it, the, uh, if, I, I guarantee you if the Zune had done better, maybe. <laughs> but, like, uh, yeah, Zune didn't do very well. No. Uh, McMaster, you mentioned that one of the, the only reasons you'd be interested in a PS Vita uh, is Hot Shots Golf. And I have yeah. to say... I'm with you 110%, my friend, because that is one of the few titles. That and Luminous, uh, I think, wow, I'd really like to own those. But then I go yeah. back to, and especially after hearing Jason Cross now just talk about Luminous, thinking, well, I've got Hot Shots Golf on my PSP. Yeah. I've got Luminous. I haven't played it in a long time. It's going to feel fresh. I, I have so many stats I could still level up and golfers and whatnot. There's still so yeah. much unlockable stuff in, in Hot Shots Golf. Um, sure. I it, this doesn't make me want to get a PS Vita so much as it makes me want to dig up some of my older PSP games. And I'm also like, why why a back touch thing? Why? Yeah, what do you get to do with that, Jason Cross? How does that how does that come into play? That that back touch stuff. 
Uh, I, you know, I don't. Most of the games I played didn't actually incorporate it. They only incorporate the front touch. And I'm trying to remember. There's a there's a couple of stuff in Uncharted where you do where it's like climbing a ladder or something. Uh, it sounds like it. Remember, it sounds it's like it might. Yeah, it sounds like no, it might go the way of it sounds like it might go the way of the six axis control like motion. Thing. Yeah, I mean they're going to have to do it on every system from here on out just because you can't break games, you know, that have used it. Uh, and and uh, on the Super Stardust game, I know you can use it. Like that game, if you played it on the the, the PS3 download Super Stardust, and it's very much like that except. They have as an option, and an option's enabled by default, all these tilt and touch and everything controls, like shake the thing to do this and tilt and <laughs> swipe. and oh, It's really hard to play that way. It's super obnoxious. Uh, I just turn all that off and use the sticks, um, and it's way better. But, you know, it's that supports that thing, too. There's front and back touch and tilting and shaking and all kinds of stuff. All right. Well, in uh, in conclusion, then I want to ask both of you. This game is not. These games are not launch titles that I'm going to ask you about. But I'm going to give you the names of two titles that are coming out uh, in the next month or so for the PlayStation Vita. Uh, and I'm curious which one you would pick. You will be scored on your answers. Jason Cross, would yes. you choose either Dungeon Hunter Alliance or Asphalt Injection? Uh, I'd have to take Dungeon Hunter. Okay, Jason. If I have to take one. Yep, you do. Uh, Jason R. McMaster, Asphalt Injection or Dungeon Hunter Alliance? Dungeon Hunter sounds really boring for some reason. I'm going to go with Asphalt Injection, and it sounds terrible too. You get 10 points for the absurdity of the title. However, Jason Cross, you get 10 points for the uh, sort of safeness of the title. Whatever Dungeon Hunter Alliance <laughs> is, it can't be that bad. Uh, well, there's I'd Dungeon Hunter for iOS and stuff. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a sort of a Diablo-y game. Yeah, action RPG. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a version of that, right? And I'm 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 gonna I would bet you dollars that minutes, was, it's perfectly. That was my guess too. Yeah, That's yeah. why I actually went against it because I'm not a huge fan of those games. Well, you both got ten points on that, so congratulations for tying. Uh, well, Asphalt Injection just sounds terrible. It really that does. Like that sounds like it's a, a porn movie. More it than does it. sound dirty, doesn't it? I'm very uncomfortable really saying it out, saying yeah. it too much. My yeah. girlfriend, just when I said asphalt injection, she just turned around and gave me the porn movie name look. She's yeah. over here playing Skyrim, and she just turned around like, "What?" <laughs> so, all right, well, we'll see how that does when that comes out for the PS Vita. Uh, so that's my news of the week. Uh, a little premature, but I was curious to get Jason Cross's take on it. I'm glad I brought it up because uh, we now have some firsthand experience. So thanks, Jason. Sure. Now, who is next for news of the week? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah you're in charge now, that. Jason Cross. So yeah, you go. I happen to have some inside knowledge on what your uh, your your topic is. So I love this. So take it away. What is your news of the week, Jason Cross? My news of the week is that um, last week, Double Fine. Uh, yeah. decided to uh, fund a project on Kickstarter. Uh, but apparently they've been talking around, talking about this for a while, and they decided we're going to go for it. So they said, okay, we're going to raise the money to build a good old-fashioned point-and-click adventure game uh, on Kickstarter. Maybe we'll earn, maybe we'll raise hundred or $200,000, maybe crazy, like three or $400,000. That'd be awesome. And we'll work on this thing for, you know, eight months or so uh, and, you know, and then release it to, you know, all the people who paid or release it on Steam for everybody. And the other p- 
part of this that was really interesting is they said uh, we're going to have two-player productions, which is this uh, independent film company, uh, come and film the development of the game. No, no doors closed, no holds barred. It's going to be like a really honest look at the ups and downs of game development. We're going to develop it in the public eye, um, or as public as people who pay money to for the Kickstarter, because those are the people who have access to the videos. Um, and they crushed it. They just completely broke every record. They they hit their funding goal within like eight hours. Mm-hmm. They hit a million dollars in just over 24 hours. Uh, the fastest Kickstarter project to ever... The, the second Kickstarter project to ever make a million dollars. The first one was some iPod doc or something that it got a million dollars like four hours before the Double Fine Adventure did and it was on like day 30 of its fundraising the Double Fine Adventure was like on day one and it it (laughs) broke a million dollars so the fastest to a million the fastest to break its goal and all that other stuff and it's uh, sitting now at a almost 1.8 million dollars mm-hmm. with 27 days to go raising money so they're easily going to get two million dollars um which you know they said hey if we get more than we want it's going to go into you know things like the voice acting and stuff like that maybe some other platforms if we can do that but it's primarily going to be a steam game because they can totally control the pricing and distribution and all that stuff right now, and uh, so I think that's great, and it's mm-hmm. going to be Tim Schafer's going to be executive producing it, uh, not necessarily writing it or whatever. Uh, and then a, a team over there. I don't know how big the team's going to be, but for 1.7 million plus, they should hopefully be able to get a decent number of people on it. Uh, how do you feel? What what impact do you feel that has on other developers, Jason Cross, if any? I would love, and people are going, oh, this changes game development forever. I'm, I'm doing this stupid thing. Yeah, is that, do they say it in that voice? <laughs> they say it in that voice, and you can't see me do it, but I'm doing that thing where you hold your arms kind of like you're, you know, at a, in a, like you're, a, like you're, oh, I was thinking like you're a robot marching. Like, no, is that how you're doing your arms? I might have that no, wrong. No, the thing like where you have your hands kind of akimbo on, like on your hips, your fists on your hips and going. Ah, uh, yes, yes, right, yes, right. Like that's that's back in the 30s, yes, I, I know that, yes. Yes. Like wagging your finger or whatever, yes. Um, no, it doesn't really, because it's Tim Schafer, and it's Double Fine, and they have this built-in audience yeah. of people who are hungry for their stuff. Uh, there are a handful of developers who can get away with this, for sure. Uh, but the person with a really great idea and uh, and even a team put together or something like that can't raise this kind of money. A, a, a no, great mod team who has... Yeah, a great mod team who has a proven mod out there and wants to raise money for their first real full game or something, they're not going to get it this way. They're, they might get 100000 or something if, if they've got a, you know, if they're the guys who made Red Orchestra or something like that. But, you know, nobody's going to go just raise a couple million dollars on Kickstarter unless you're an established development, developer. Right. And I think, um, but I do think it gives those guys a whole other... Venue. I mean, a whole other way to, to to do projects because you even you know established studios like Double Fine and, and guys like Tim Schafer and stuff. You want to do an Xbox Live Arcade game? Well, that's two hundred. I mean, that's that's easily two million dollars, right? 
just to do stacked or something, right? Um, so for them, they've got to they got to go to a publisher for that kind of thing, right? Unless you're I'm, just independently wealthy, you know. I'm, I'm guessing this is actually a pretty shallow well to draw from, and that very few people could actually draw from it as effectively as Double Fine did. I mean, I think that yeah. it's a perfect storm. Uh, kind of situation that that requires four things that, you know, Jason, you mentioned you think some other developers could do it maybe with limited effectiveness. I know Chris Avalone, who I thought was at Obsidian. I could be wrong about that, but I know that he's been tweeting about maybe, you know, you know sort of floating some trial balloons about doing this, uh, and I'd yeah. love to see him jump in. But I really think that this particular situation with Double Fine has four elements that I can't think of any other, other developer that has these four elements. So, so let me toss these out here. Uh, I think the four ingredients that, that are required to make this work are – an indie developer with a long history of some beloved games. You know, even though Double Fine didn't make Full Throttle uh, in Grim Fandango, you know, that's Tim Schafer's name. Tim Schafer, uh, yeah. you mean, know, when people, when people think of Double Fine, they think back that far. Because yeah. the second point is they have as their front man Tim Schafer, who is, unlike so many other people in the industry, uniquely charming, funny, and humble. You know, David Gosh. Chaffee doing this kind of thing, you know, he's certainly a personality, but I don't think people would want to throw money at David Jaffe the same way they would at someone like Tim Schaefer. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, well, Jaffe's not so bad, though. I mean, he makes some good stuff. You know? I, I'm just yeah. saying that I, I, part of the unique element is who Tim Schaefer is and how he comes oh, no. and I mean, how people and how people emotionally respond to him. No, I mean, trust me, dude, my favorite game ever is The Secret of Monkey Island. Uh, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's this is him and Ron Gilbert, for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah, well, Ron Gilbert, too, as well. Yeah, a, a third element. Uh, this isn't just an indie developer with a, a notable frontman. This is also a company that has an ongoing stream of recent games. You know, oh. they are, they are, they're contemporarily relevant in the industry. They're not someone, yeah. like, uh, who's been out of circulation. For, like somebody mentioned, right. hey, do the uh, do the uh, Elite, those space trading games. Uh, David Brabin, get him to do it. That guy's been out of circulation or for so long. Roberta Williams was the one right, I was right. thinking of. Like, she couldn't do oh, this. She never, and people have any like confidence that they right. she'd be able to get it done right exactly she can't yeah. just go like yeah i can put a team if, together right away. if she does that then i'm going to start a kickstarter to stop whatever she's trying to make <laughs> that's my promise to you america so the the kickstopper you're saying the, I'm, yeah i'm going to make kickstopper.com <laughs> oh that that site has now got to exist that's yeah. the greatest thing and it I'm can be it doesn't actually have to be a thing that has to be the regretsy of kickstarter things and call it Kickstopper. We need to <laughs> trademark this right away. All right, yeah. get on that. Uh, and then the fourth element that I think that this situation has going for it is that the games that we've gotten from Double Fine, uh, they kind of occupy a unique niche, and they have a lot of character. It, yes. You know, these are games that cannot be. If someone were to do this with a Diablo alike. People just play Diablo. You know that that's a game that those needs can be met elsewhere. But the kind of games that Double Fine has, has been offering, they are kind of unique. They have their own feel, and you can't really, you can get other games that feel that way. But they just have their own niche, and it's not as easy to get that sort of Double Fine hit from another title. Uh, so I think those four things right there. Yeah. So I don't I don't know like Chris Avalone I. Uh, I know. I, I don't know. I don't know who else could do this. Uh, is that what you were yeah, going to ask, I've, Jason Cross? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. It's like, who else do you think could pull this off? I, I mean, Notch could. Uh, be, and he's got one game, but he's so, very smart. 
Yeah. No. <laughs> McMaster. Well, the thing is, to be to be fair though, I mean, uh, he might be able to actually. You know, <laughs> with Eric's fans, man. Uh, there there are plenty of indie developers not doing this exactly the same, but doing something very similar. But they're usually yes. basing it on access to a beta build, like like Minecraft did that way. There's a Starfarer game that some folks on Quarter Three are talking about. McMaster, that zombie game that you wrote about, whose name uh, eludes me. What was that Project called? Project Zomboid. Right, same kind of thing. You know, they're asking for money up front, and you get to play the beta. So it's a similar thing. It's just here, uh, double fine, and I love that it worked out so well for them. They're just cashing in their reputation. Yeah. Uh, well, I think one thing I think it could it could work with, um, and, and this is not an independent developer or anything like that, but I think if, like, Peter Molyneux got on here and said, oh, I, hey, you know what? Um, EA lost their, their rights to Populous expired, and I want to make Populous for all these you know, I, for iPad and all these other things, right, and right. I need two hundred thousand dollars to do it. And, you know, I think people would fork over enough money to make that happen. But yeah, there's not a lot. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to say what you get for your pledging, though. So you get the. I didn't know this about the the video access to the video. You get the game. What else do you get? Okay, this so is, there's. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You, did you want to do it? Uh, you no, know, I I was just gonna say it's depressing because I wanted to purchase one of the higher tiers for my birthday, but uh, yeah, they're all gone a long time ago now. So uh, <laughs> the way Kickstarter works, if you don't know, is that you by pledging certain amounts, you get uh, special extra stuff usually. Um, so you can pledge any amount you want, but if you pledge 15 bucks, you get the finished game on Steam, you get access to the beta on Steam, uh, and access to the uh, video series and the private discussion boards. Um, you pledge 30 bucks, which is the amount I paid, you get an H- HD download of all the video series, mm-hmm. digital game soundtrack, and all the stuff you get for the $15 loan. Mm-hmm. For a hundred bucks, you get all of those things plus uh, an original Double Fine Adventure poster, uh, exclusive to the campaign. Uh, special thanks in the credits of the game uh, and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. For two hundred fifty bucks, you get all of those previous tiers plus a autographed poster, autographed by Tim Schafer, Ron Gilbert, and the rest of the design team. A thousand bucks gets you a mini portrait of you painted by the game's artist and all the previous things. Mm -hmm. Five grand gets you a larger original painting of art used in the final game, plus all the previous stuff, the mini portrait and all that other junk. And there was one one $10,000 pledge reward. Which is lunch with Tim Schafer and Ron Gilbert, a tour of Double Fine offices, and all the previous stuff. And there is some ridiculous stuff they had yeah. just on the Double Fine site for like if you pledge one hundred fifty thousand, you get those are the best. It's, go, it's like bowling with Tim Schafer and Ron Gilbert. No, no, here's the two best, right? All right, I mean fifteen thousand is dinner with Tim Schafer and the Dev Team. Twenty thousand is dinner and bowling with Tim Schafer and the Dev Team. But my favorite are thirty and thirty-five thousand. Thirty thousand picture of Ron Gilbert smiling. Thirty-five thousand undoctored picture of Ron Gilbert smiling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great one. Yeah, they're and even funny thousand. when they ask for your money. That's how can you yeah. not like? Yeah, double yeah. fine. All right, so uh, big news, and uh, is there a timetable for this, Jason Cross? Like, have they? Wh- yeah, when is the game coming out? <laughs> uh, well, there's uh, a month of fundraising, and there's 27 more days to go, uh, and then. 
So it'll be done sometime in March with the fundraising. And then they said they're going to take some, you know, eight or nine months or so to make the game. All right. Uh, there, but there's no hard timetable because we'll get to see in all the videos how messed up and messy ah, right, is and right. everything. <laughs> all right, good. So hopefully it'll be out in time for Christmas, though. Yep, yeah, very good. Right. Well, yep, I hope so. That'd be a very nice Christmas present. So that that was great news, and I was so it was so exciting watching that unfold over the course of that day. And uh, it really I, was, yeah. And just imagining what it must have been like over there at their offices too. I mean, those guys must have just been going crazy. Uh, that's a yeah, party I would have liked to have been like, Especially when they were you know, nervous, like, can we possibly right. raise four hundred grand? <laughs> and then by the end of the day, they have a million dollars. That was lovely. Yeah. Uh, so, Jason R. McMaster, that's a tough news story to follow. Where are you going to go from there? Um, yeah, well, actually, I had picked that one, but I had also picked a backup because I figured that was going to happen. Uh-huh. So, that's my backup. <laughs> yeah. You have a backup. It, it really is. My backup story is Blizzard suing Valve for the rights to the Dota name registration. So, uh, yeah, I know, yeah, I know you love all the Dota Wait. drama. Tom's like really addicted to it. Is this just for the rights to the domain name stuff, or is it the actual brand that they want? The, the brand. Okay. Well, see, because like Valve keeps trying to, uh, you know, trademark or whatever Dota, and people keep opposing mm-hmm. it because they don't really, just because they hired one of the guys that worked on it doesn't mean that you have rights to the hundreds of people that also worked on it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you don't get the the right to, like... And, you know, if it was just they're taking a name or something, that's one thing. But it's it's pretty much... Dota 2 is, is Dota. You know? well, it's, I mean, yeah, it's not... I mean, they put a 2 after it. It's obviously the same game, but the, the sequel, right? I mean, it's not right. wholly oh, new. It's, it's supposed but to be. it's not Defense of the Ancients. It's Dota. Right. Uh, True. But yeah, the um, uh, supposedly Blizzard uh, got into uh, a dispute with Valve over this uh, a few months ago. And it's just kind of now coming to light. Uh, of course, people feel differently about the two companies, uh, but uh, I don't really care about Blizzard's lawsuit. I, I just wish that uh, Valve would leave it alone uh, because it's not really their property wholly. Valve would leave, what, the name alone, you mean? Yeah, I mean, if they're going to do it, name it something else. I wish yeah. they would leave it alone, because I feel so stupid saying Dota. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nah. <laughs> uh, all right, so, uh, McMaster, we, uh, you and me are voting for uh, Blizzard to win. Jason Cross, if you had a dog in this fight, who would you be backing? Uh, I would also like a different name, because... Yeah, Dota doesn't roll off the tongue. Defense of the Ancients, whatever. I mean, it's it's almost as awkward as Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. It's, these are terrible <laughs> names that they should yeah. they could come up with something if they didn't want to make sure that all the Dota players play Dota Two. They could just call it something else. Just come up with a new name. That's yeah. fine. Well, yeah, name it something else. And, like, also, you've got the guy that's currently developing Dota working on your team. I'm pretty sure the fans will hear about it. Yeah, no, they already all know. And they, I think they already yeah. are all 
on board yeah. and it's they're they're pulling up all this money for like tournaments and stuff uh yeah, they could come up with and plus they have a golden opportunity to be like every other game and get a three-letter acronym name sure that you know which of course you have to do except for blizzard dota which is i don't even know how to make an acronym out of that well, for once, uh, all three of us are backing the big boys, not just at Blizzard, at Activision, I'm guessing, yeah, technically. Yeah, weird. Yeah, to, to be rooting for Activision in some legal shenanigans. It's, uh, it's, I, both Blizzard and, not, not necessarily Activision, but Blizzard and uh, Valve are game companies that I really like, and I really like the things that they do and the way that they do them. So it's kind of to have them going out like this. No, no, Jason, I can I can totally help you with this, Jason. I, I understand how you feel, but I can completely help you. Here's how you do it. Anytime Blizzard does something you don't like, just call it Activision. Oh, right, Active or Act Blizzard or something. Yeah, yeah, do something like that. By the way, uh, here's a little trivia for you guys. My dentist today told me, I don't know if this is true, I haven't verified it, that Bobby Kotick is in Moneyball, the movie. Yes. Yes. Yep. Oh, I, I thought the guy just had no idea what he was talking about, and that's what I get for listening to dentists talk about movies. But have, you not, actually, have you not seen Moneyball? I have not. Uh, no. It's so, pretty good. How is Bobby Kotick's performance? How does he do? He's uh, fine. He, he plays a suit, you know. He plays a tight <laughs> ass. I mean, well, you know, he's, he's fine at that. I mean, you know, they did he's some He's the great owner, stuff. right? Isn't he the yeah, yeah, he's the he's a team owner, yeah. So like, uh, you see him like right at the beginning of the movie too. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean they they did a lot of CG to remove his horns and all the steam and shit that comes out of his ears or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean he sits behind a desk and says we're not going to give you any more money. So I mean, it's not exactly a stretch. That's to hide the cloven hooves. Uh, now I have a question. How does this end up happening? Do you guys know how does Bobby Kotick get into a freaking major movie like that? You know, I, I read uh, an interview where he answered that, and I totally forget what the story is. <laughs> it's it's it, he met somebody who was a producer and some. I mean, it's it's an innocuous enough you know, rubbing elbows with Hollywood elite kind of story. Okay, he's not like sleeping with Brad Pitt or anything. Not that I know. Nice. Of. <laughs> That's <All right>. sexy. <laughs> All right, so uh, so there we go. Those are our news stories of the week and a little bit of obligatory trivia. So now we are going to games of the week. Jason Cross, as the winner of the Stump Jason R. McMaster contest, you get to call folks out in order for who's going to present games of the week for second and third. Who's up first? Uh, since Jason R. Beta McMaster went, second, went last for the news, then mm. he can go first for the game. All right. Oh, that's, that's very that's, cool. That's well fair. Played. Yep. All right, my game of the week is actually Star Wars: The Old Republic. Wait a minute! <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, it I was waiting sense. to hear Tom's head explode. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, uh, I've uh, I've been playing a lot um, in my yeah, spare time. After my review, I uh, yeah, I see you on sometimes. Oh, for God's sake, the head! Well, so, I left. I left the guild because we, I, you had your comic sans, yeah, your cosmic sans or whatever, cosmic yeah, sans. yeah, that's right. Um, New York to Homa and all that, right? Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, I've been playing a lot. Uh, well, not maybe a lot compared to other players, but I'm nearing the level cap, and uh, I must say my story has still uh, been intriguing. If the game play doesn't really get that different. 
Now, what happens when you hit the level cap and you can't get any farther in your story? You're stuck, right? I think you can keep going in the story, actually, because you get like that legacy experience thing, which, by the way, does nothing at current. But um, it's supposed to like apply to another character, like your son or whatever. Like that. that's the idea. Well, no, it's like you, you know, you, you give yourself like a last name, and uh, all of your characters on that server get that last name. And while playing, a percentage of all experience goes to legacy levels, and every character you play contributes to the legacy level. Now, of course, uh, the legacy levels are not, um, I don't know, working at current, so we don't really know what it does, but something, I assume. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it does something. That's my guess. Um, but I, I'm still enjoying the character uh, that I picked, at least, the Sith Warrior. Um, one of my friends is playing a Sith Inquisitor, and his story is pretty baffling uh, at this point, if you ask me. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> now, when you say baffling, does he just tell you stuff that's happening to his character, and you're like all, what? No, no, you can uh, you can join in cutscenes, uh people's uh, cutscenes. Oh, I see. So, so you've like jumped in, like, but you haven't seen all the cutscenes leading up. Like, you're just coming late to his cutscenes, and you're confused? Is that what's going on? No, no, really. Uh, he's... Uh, I don't really want to give too much away, uh, but uh, there's a lot of ghosts. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah. That's can't, that's totally, that makes sense, because there were ghosts at the end of Return of the uh, Jedi, or Empire Strikes Back, I mean. Or Raiders of the mm-hmm. Lost Ark. There was ghost in that too. Um, I'm waiting for the Indiana Jones MMO, um, but yes, uh, the the Sith Warrior story is uh, pretty cool so far. Uh, I will say that the space battles, as you get up in level, get kind of ridiculous. Yeah, is uh, it difficult? You mean? Yeah, there's some that I can't beat uh, that I've been trying to over and over again. And maybe it's because I'm a Nancy and I have atrophied hands or something. But <laughs> if not, then, well, I probably still just suck. Well, I've been playing those too, and they definitely do get harder. Oh, my uh, God. All the, you got to keep on top of your ship upgrades or you just not. That's what I'm guessing, well, is that you have to I, grind it, those little components and put in your new lasers and, and generators yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. It's just yeah. You don't have to do too much grinding, but you just have to make sure that you're you have the best ones that your level can afford, um, and just spend money. Yeah, I just uh, I've had no luck. Uh, I've I've got like j- just about every upgrade. Uh, I don't know, just some of them really tough. Like uh, the one where you have to kill like sixty ships or, or something like that, and they all take like two hits each. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, there's just I don't know. It's it's pain. Yeah. A lot of pain in I'm the still dark. doing those. I, I'm I'm all the way up to the ones that unlock in this area of space where Ilum is. I don't know what they call that band of the galaxy on the galaxy. Oh map. yeah, those just recently opened up for me. Yeah, those high level ones, and those are pretty yeah. tricky, for sure. Um, you know, I can beat them, but sometimes it takes a couple runs. Uh, which sure. Is early in the game, you're like, these are our cakewalk, and yeah, they kind of are. But yeah, yeah, and the I'm first one that gets. First one that gets like tough is like the Jobrum interception or, or like something like that. I don't remember what it's called. It's like a Jobrum something where you have to like escort a guy, and yeah. uh, for some reason he like his health drops by like half at a certain point. Like no matter what, and every yeah. mission. And uh, yeah, it's like about- the second escort one. And uh, yeah, yeah. like near the end, his health just goes way down. There's nothing you can do. So he, you got to keep him really. 
healthy until then. Right. Well, and, I mean, at that point, too, you have to, like, you basically just have to kill everything you see. There's no exception. You just have to spam constantly. Huh. So Jason's Cross and McMaster, then, I have a question for both of you, because you've both been yeah. playing it for a fair bit. Uh, having having stuck with it for a while, uh, do you feel that uh, Star Wars Old Republic offers something other than the Star Wars flavor, by the way, that other huh. MMOs aren't offering you? Is there a particular reason you're playing this MMO and not other Star Wars, or not other MMOs? So, uh, Jason Cross, you go first. What is there anything oh. unique you're getting out of this MMO? Uh, right now, the there's two things that I think are unique that that I kind of enjoy about it. One is the story stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Absolutely. you can say what you will about Bioware's st- stories, and and a lot of people have certain problems with them, and that's true. But compared to every other MMO, and compared to a lot of single player RPGs, like I'm also playing Kingdoms of Amalur, and I don't care oh, any sweet Jesus. about the story. <laughs> yeah, like, wow. Well, yeah. They're so in love with their universe and have not well, made a story within it at all. You know, I no. couldn't tell you. And don't care. And you get quests and you're just like, shut up, whatever. Just tell me what I have to gather or kill. Just, you know. And, you know, it's funny skip, about skip, that skip, to skip. me. That's like a cardinal sin to me most of the time. And it's like, it's not because I, I want to hear all the flavor text. It's because I'm compelled to. And yeah. I, 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 Amalur broke that of me. I'm like, I just yeah. do not give a damn. Just please I, I shut I enjoy up. it much more playing it as though I was playing like a Zelda game or something. Like, sure, just, yeah, me too. Just, yeah, just, I just want to adventure around and kill stuff and gather. But anyways, yeah. uh, but I can tell you exactly... I two characters on the old republic i have a bounty hunter and my main character is the sith inquisitor and i can tell you exactly what their stories have been so far and who the main characters are and they're who they're uh, you know up against who their protagonists and antagonists sure. are in the story and all that and even the side stories of your little uh your your crew members and everything like some of those are pretty interesting mm-hmm. uh, so all that stuff is great all right, so you mentioned, Jason, there were two things. Before we get to the second thing you mentioned, let me ask you about the story. Uh, I know you've played a little Lord of the Rings Online as well. Uh, yes. I always felt that was also a strength of Lord of the Rings Online for how it took this familiar story, uh, you know, from, from the, the books and, and the movies and some of our cases, and it really spun off these cool little side stories. And I remembered a lot of the story stuff, like about the nis- missing Nazgul and the fate of a poor ranger and this poor ranger girl from Esteldon, and th- there were cool story mm-hmm. beats that 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 really worked for me in Lord of the Rings Online. Uh, do you feel that uh, that Old Republic is somehow unique, or that it's just really good along with games like Lotro and, and stuff? Uh, I think it's on a different level to, for me than what Lotro did, because part of it being having everything voice acted and every conversation be shot in that style that Bioware does, where they you know. You do a little camera work around the people's right. faces and right. everything. Uh, you connect more, you know. So, and, and I'm not a super Lord of the Rings geek where I know sure. all the how everything ties into the books, you know, really well. Uh, I loved the intro, like the tutorial levels of the Lord of the Rings stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you first start the game and the village is burning and you have to go through, and they, that was incredible. And I was playing that and going like, wow, is the whole game like this? And nope, nope, I'm gathering flowers <laughs> 10 minutes later. You know, so, well, uh, to be fair, yeah. you're also doing plenty of that. You're analyzing ruins and tailoring blast armor and whatnot in, in Old Republic. 
Yeah, no, there's there's plenty of like you know k- kill ten of these right, right. random things out there and report yeah. back to me. There's plenty of that. No, let me no. let me let me float a word uh, for a term for what I think is making uh, Old Republic work for you a little better on that front. You mentioned the camera angles and the the dialogue trees. I would mm-hmm. like to refer to that as the mass effect. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like it, the zero effect? But it's like that. It's like that Bioware storytelling style. Like that really is clicking yes. with you. It sounds like right. Well, uh, it, it it does get you more invested in the people, right? Sure. I sure. mean, there's some emotion behind what what they're saying and stuff, and and in a lot of the random quests to get you know five of these special flowers and bring them back, it doesn't matter. But in you know the the story cutscenes for your classes story that progress what's going right. on, yep. it's pretty cool. All right, so uh, you mentioned there were two things. What's the second thing that's making it uh, feel unique for you? I love the way that they changed up the way crafting works to where you have a number of crew members, you know, up to, I think, five? Yeah, you get five at, like, the end, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, it builds up as you level up and go through your story. But you get materials mostly by spending money to send them on missions, which takes away for a while. You get six, but you can deploy five at a time. At the end. Yeah, that's right. You always have the droid on your ship, your 2D guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love you, him. He's so, I love how sycophantic he is. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> but, but I love that they, they made it so that you have to spend money, and then they're gone for a while, and the higher level the thing is, the, the longer they're gone. And you know, then they come back, and you're never sure exactly what you're going to get. You know you're going to get, like, medical supplies, it says, or something, grade 6 medical supplies or something. But you don't know how many or exactly which ones. And right. sometimes they fail. Uh, so it's not just they, – they do have nodes in the environment where you can just, like, harvest a node. But there's not much of that. It's not built around that. And it, there's this opportunity cost where, you know, you you can have one of your crew members running along with you as an NPC helping you fight and it can be super useful sometimes. In fact, sometimes some boss fights, you're not going to win without them. And you have to think, well, do I send my crew member off to get, to do this crafting, you know, to either build something or go get some materials? Because if I don't, I'm wasting all this time or do I have them around to help me fight? So you have to kind of make that decision about, can I afford to have them be gone for 10 minutes to go get some stuff or am I going to need them around? And I, I, often find myself having to decide, well, am I going to do anything important in the next 10 minutes, or am I just going to be fighting these little scrubs? Or I can send my guy off, you know? So I really love the way they work that. I thought that was, that's really cool. Now, well, you, once you've got more than the one crew member, uh, mm-hmm. can, can you send your other crew members who yeah. aren't traveling with you? You can send them out to do the crafting, though, yeah. right? Absolutely. Does that but take away? Also, from, I'm sorry, go ahead. But you can you can send up to a certain number, uh, so sometimes you have three crew members, and you can send all three of them if you want. But you can send just two and keep your guy around, but it's still kind of like a waste of time, you know. Everything right. you, needs you get more to materials a point. You, know. you get to like a point where you can have one dude with you all the time, and that's uh, one of the things that I, I really liked at first with the lower levels when I played Old Republic. That opportunity cost that you're talking about, Jason. That tension mm-hmm. between crafting and having my 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 Star Wars buddy stay with me and help me fight. And I'm a little disappointed to hear that it kind of loses some of that because you've got all these other 
crew members and you just send them off to do the crafting and keep well, your buddy with you. That it's not it's not forcing such a difficult choice. Like I really think a, a, a an important part of good game design is forcing difficult choices. So I love yeah. seeing that early on in Old Republic, and I'm, I'm just a little disappointed they don't stick with that uh, as you level up. Um, but you know, I, I, I agree with you though, Jason. I, I like that mechanic as well. The crew members and how they tied into crafting and helping you fight. So. And just that crafting doesn't mean, oh, if I need these materials, that means I need to go to this zone that I don't want to be in right. because that's where these nodes are, and I just or need to run a pattern. Whatever, yeah. yeah, and just run a pattern like around the edge of this world where all of the minerals spawn and right. just grab right. node after node. Oh, this guy grabbed my node before me. It's like, you don't have to deal with any of that nonsense, and I love, I love you know, I will say this, though, Tom, about uh, the crafting. Um, each of your... The little guys has like um, bonuses to different types of crafting, and one of the characters I use uh, also has a bonus to the type of crafting I use a lot of archaeology, and uh, so I'm always stuck with like, do I want to try to get ah. like it's like the more like one of the companions likes you, the less time it takes for them on their missions, ah. plus the higher chance uh, of getting a critical, which just Yields extra stuff or whatever. So um, oh, good, good. I like that. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's pretty cool. And like another thing I'm pretty fond of too is like if you actually make something, um, the way you learn new recipes is you have to break it down, and you break down like greens to have a chance to like learn a blue, and then you make all these blues. You break those down, you have a chance to learn like a purple recipe or something like that. So it, it's got kind of like this. Uh, Discovery thing, um, and it and sounds it, like it uh, like it's promoting recycling. Yes, yeah. So uh, yeah, you don't like ruin the planet. Um, everybody's everybody's happy. So McMaster, I let Jason go first. Uh, he mentioned the, the story, the crew member. Is there anything else that stands out for you that's making Star Wars Old Republic your MMO of choice these days, where you feel it you know, it, it meets a unique need? I'll tell you what. Uh, I think the biggest thing to me, and one of the things that I don't think the game has gotten enough credit for, mm-hmm. is that if you have a friend that you want to play with, it's an excellent co-op MMO. Like it's uh, the fact it really that is. yeah, yeah, that you and your friends can participate in quests together, and you have a chance of answering the stuff. You know, you show up in all of the uh, cutscenes. Uh, you can go on your friends' uh, story quest, or at least a large portion of them. Uh, there's like one or two you can't reach. Um, uh, and you know, you may not show up in like their personal cutscenes or make any choices, but you see what they do and everything. And so, you know, uh, one of my friends is playing a Sith Inquisitor, and we just kind of uh, always play those characters together. So it's like uh, it's kind of interesting seeing each other's stories and just being a part of like the whole thing. Right. right. So uh, I really like that. Although they do need to work on a couple of things, like. You can't add a friend in the game unless they're online, which is that's really unconscious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I mean, yeah. yeah but I most, that- for the most part, I really like that they built the game to be something that you can play with people. I like that the party size is like four. It's a little more manageable yeah. than five. You don't feel like you're just filling slots. You feel like you want to play with these people, you know? Right. And the fact that, like, you know, you your party of four is like what you fill it, and then if someone else joins, it's like one of you or t- two of you lose a companion or something like that. I don't think you can have like eight, you know, like when you get in a certain no, it, party. It, size, yeah, yeah, it's, you can't have it's companion. four, and that can be two people and two companions, and right. then if a third person joins, one companion goes, and so on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, companions like count as as slots. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, Jason McMaster, your game of the week is a really old MMO. Really old. It's just God. It's <laughs> it's awful. Uh, I have to say, I uh, not a huge MMO fan. I certainly dabble with them. But uh, is anyone else here? I, this is going to sound like a humble brag thing, and so I kind of already regret bringing it up. But is uh, anyone, any, anyone else here doing the Guild Wars 2 beta this weekend? Oh, for oh, you jerk! No, I actually no. did not know how difficult that would be to get into. So, oh, well, okay, well, never mind. We'll we'll, we'll talk more about that next week on next week's podcast. Uh, so, all right, I'm anxious to hear. I like a lot of what they said, but when you hear a developer talk about a game, you're like, that sounds awesome. And then you need to hear a player go, it doesn't work as great as they say, you know, whatever. So I can't wait to hear more about that. Yeah. By the way, I'm not even sure what the NDA rules are, so I'm not doing it either. For all intents and purposes, I don't don't know what's – I don't know anything about that. I don't know if I've just violated an NDA. All right, never mind. We'll be editing over that part. Uh, Jason Cross, who is going next for Game of the Week? Well, we'll we'll go in reverse order from the news, so you go next. Uh, That would actually put you next, but I will gladly go next. You decide if you want reverse order or if you want Um, me next. Let's do reverse order. All right. Jason Cross, what is your game of the week? Can I make a prediction? Yeah. It's on the iPhone. No. Okay, good. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, what non-iPhone game is your game of the week? My game of the week is Rayman Origins. Mm, uh, which uh, the, the PlayStation uh, Vita game. Yeah, but I've been playing it on the 360. <laughs> right, right. Uh, now it's just some uh, cute little 2D platformer, right? What's the big deal? Yep. Uh, it's a cute little 2D platformer. <laughs> no, come on. you uh, got to sell it. It's, come on. Um, it, well, first of all, it's 30 bucks. You know, yes. I, it's nice to have a game that is not 60 bucks. Now, Jason, did it launch at 30 bucks? Yes, yes. Oh, good, good. Okay. Oh, $30 oh. game, yep. Um, in fact, it's the same price on the Vita, and it's one of those times when you're you're actually it's appropriate because it's not a cut back game in any way. Um, what I like about it, I don't know if you've played how many of the Rayman games you've played. Um, they've they've always been sort of lively and cute, and they're kind of hit and miss uh, with with how good they are. But it, this is a good old fashioned, completely two D, like drawn, no polygons anywhere platformer. It's, it's good old-fashioned kind of like cell animation style, like good old back-in-the-Genesis days side-scroller. Except and it, it really does rest on the artwork like you're talking about, like no polygons. It rests. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but it's all in glorious, super sharp, high definition with lots of really smooth animation. All the little plants and everything are like really gorgeously animated, lots of layers of scrolling and everything. So it looks really, really good. Uh, and it's really lively and vibrant. And it is just one of those games that it's really hard not to have a smile on your face as you play because it's, it'll always surprise you with some little clever trick of how they design the level or, uh, you'll discover something like, uh, there'll be a, You'll be trying to traverse this level, and you get to a gap, and you see a little bottle that you're supposed to collect next to the gap, and it's kind of got a hand sticking out of it. And you're like, what the heck? And you break the bottle, and this little guy pops out, 
who is a platform. He's just like a little horizontal line of a person with a face on it, and his arms stretched out, and he stretches across so you can open the gap. And he's pointing on his back with one of his hands, like, hey, jump on my back. <laughs> and that that kind of stuff is all over the game. Like, everything is just super alive and animated and colorful, and everything makes cute little noises, and the little pink electune things make they cheer when you free them from the little prison box and that you know it's just so full of life and fun that it's it's hard not to just finish a level and have a stupid grin on your face it is it is infectiously enthusiastic yeah yes did you play kirby's uh, epic yarn oh speaking of infectiously enthusiastic right (laughs) it's it's very much that sort of thing except kirby's epic yarn i felt that they really designed a lot of the game to be played by like eight-year-olds <laughs> how dare you that's i mean I, I, no, I, I get what you're saying i totally get what you're saying is they wanted that to be like a, a casual friendly family game and i don't think yeah. Rayman origins i mean like it, it's not really difficult but rayman origins is like you know there's a little bit of challenge there and you want to figure out what you're doing and uh well, yeah and there's no side parts where it's like now go back and decorate your house with just these like ah right yes Put, well, put the object inside the dotted line, and you're like, really? It's, this is like a, a two-year-old's coloring book. Like, yes, this, go, this shape. Where do the shapes go? You know, it's, it's, it's not. You, uh, I'm going to give you these stickers to play with, Jason. Here you go. Yeah, and I'll put them put them in the spot that's highlighted on. Not the, there, Jason. Not there. Over there, near the. Yeah, exactly. We've got the outline. Yeah. Just stick it in there, Jason. There you go. Good. Yeah. Isn't that fun? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, so there's none of that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Uh, it's great. But uh, it, it has its challenging moments. But so, it's mostly not too not too tough. And it also lets you, if you get stuck at some part, you can just say, "Ah, screw it," and it'll let you just pass it. <laughs> like it'll. I don't think there's lives. I don't think. I think you can just die as much as you like. But it will eventually say, "Do you just want to play the next level?" Like if you back yeah. out, you, you can just go on to the next level. Like it's uh, uh, it, it's not. I, I think it wants to be very careful about not putting up any brick walls. But w- one of the things I really yeah. like about it, um, I, I tried a platformer recently called Scary Girl, which uh, was based on a comic book, and it had some kind of cool artwork and some nifty mechanics, and it was cute. But uh, one of the difficult things with a platformer that I think Scary Girl kind of screwed up is the length of a level. And I, I love how it, so far, and I haven't played very far into it, in Rayman Origins, it feels like none of the levels really wear out their welcome. Like just when you're like, oh, cool, here's the mechanic. Oh, this is the, the vibe. Then you get to the end. And it sort of leaves yep. you wanting more rather than, oh, God, yeah. it's the end. Uh, and just when you get tired of like jumping through forests, it's like, oh, now you get to ride on the back of this mosquito and shoot stuff. Yes. And it's like, all right, that you know, that's a nice little change. Yeah. So. Uh, the thing I didn't try on it yet, which I'm anxious to, is I think it's two-player co-op. Yep, Maybe absolutely. more than two players. Yeah. And I haven't tried that yet. The, so the co-op is awesome in that if one person dies, uh, he becomes a little floating bubble. And he can just sort of float around. He can't interact with the level, but he can float around. And he has to float over to the other player who just punches him out of the bubble. So as long okay. as – so there's these great moments where you come up to, like, what are the platforms? Where do I have to jump? How do I get past here? And one person waits. And then the other person tries it and fails. And his bubble floats back, and he gets released, and the other person <laughs> tries it. Uh, but they have very – it's a very, uh, very effective two-player co-op. Wait. Now, can you collide with each other, or do you pass through each other? Uh, I think you pass... this is critically important. Right, I think you pass through each other. I could be wrong. There are times where you're going so fast, and I lost track of who was going where, but I don't think you collide with each other. 
Okay, because colliding with each other is what made the Mario game into, like, a fight starter. There's Nobody can play that without oh, getting angry at each other. Yeah. Because you mess up somebody else's jump because they collide with you, and then they miss the jump and they fall, and then you're like, why did you do that? I didn't mean to do that. And by the time you're done with the level, you're just ready to kill each other. So as long as you don't collide with each other... You That's might good. be. You know what? That's a good question. Maybe you do collide with each other. I don't remember for sure, but I don't remember there being any frustration because if someone knocks you off the level, you just float back up and they free you from your bubble. Uh, so I, you don't lose a life or anything. Or, uh, but that's a good question. Yeah. Do not well, there know. are no lives. So. Right. Exactly. Uh, another thing I love about it: that Rayman fellow. First of all, mm-hmm. what what is he? What kind of animal is that? I, I he's got no arms or legs, so yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't. I don't like Rayman. I don't trust him. Uh, he's weird. He's he's French. I get the. I, I don't. Yeah. He's shifty. Yeah. I don't. I don't trust him. So one of the things I love about Rayman Origins is as soon as I unlocked the big fat guy, or even better, the little tiny guy. I think his name is like Mister Tiny. I don't know his name. He's just a little tiny guy with a big old nose. I, I oh, the magician the guy. Yeah, yeah, and you can unlock like I somehow unlocked an undead version of him, or, or like Goth Tiny, I think is his name. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm playing that guy. Every level, he's the star of the level, and that weird Rayman fella, he's nowhere to be seen, and that's fine with me. <laughs> I love that option. Uh, so, good pick. Uh, now, is this something that you will see all the way through to the end? Is it something you're dabbling at? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I got it on Gamefly, and, you know, it's. I feel perfectly happy playing, you know, uh a few more stages, you know, I've gone through the whole about two and a half stages worth, mm-hmm. uh, stages being like collections of levels or whatever you want to call them. I don't know what you call them. Um, if I get halfway through it and I kind of get tired of it, um, that's what Gamefly right. is for, so I have no, no problem sending it back. But it's, yeah, I don't think it's it's the 30 bucks. It's not going to break the bank like a lot of other $60 games. So it's worth giving it a shot, I think. So, uh, Jason M. McMaster, why don't you love Rayman? Uh, I do like Rayman. I haven't played this one, though. All right. Well, if you loved him, you would have played this one. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rayman. <laughs> All right. He accepts your apology, uh, as does Goth Tiny. Uh, I, I played Heavy Rain. That was uh, French, right? I mean... <laughs> that's, that's very similar, yeah. Rain Man, <laughs> Heavy Rain, Rayman. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Let me see it. All right, well, guess whose turn it is now for Game of the Week. Uh, I was going to do a terrible thing and present, present you guys with a list of things I'd been playing and say, pick which one of these will be my Game of the Week. I'm not going to do that. But I, I did will. That's horrible. That sounds like I, cheating. It does sound like that. cheating. Here's what the list would have been, though. The list would have been Crusader Kings 2, the Epic yeah. Quest Pinball Table, uh, uh, Conquest of Elysium 3, turn-based fantasy game, uh, mm. Shank 2, uh, a weird Nintendo thing called Rhythm Heaven Fever, which I despise, but which is good. So those are all things I was playing and was considering uh, games of the week. But no, the one that I picked that I've settled on, you guys have no say in this, I'm sorry to say, but my final answer is that my game of the week is, and not necessarily because I love it, uh, but it's Twisted Metal. Uh, so, uh, oh, good. I wanted to talk about this. Yeah, no, there's no number after Twisted Metal. There's no subtitle. It's just Twisted Metal. I guess it's like a reboot. Uh, now, if you're a fan of the series, which I've certainly been, uh, I think you know what you're in for. This is not yeah. 
It's not a driving game. It's got cars in it, but it's not a driving. You're not driving oh. around. Yeah, this is very much a sort of a deathmatch shooter thing. But instead of controlling a dude, you have a weird carish like control system. Uh, the weapons are all very finicky. They do different things. It's very skill based. Uh, the previous Twisted Metals were so skill-based that you had to do these little combos to fire off a, a freeze ray or a shield. <laughs> and I could never do those, and I could never do those in the heat of battle. I hated that. Now, by the way, those things are all just to press on the D-pad. I so, noticed that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a little simpler. I like that. But knowing all the weapons, knowing the, the particulars of a vehicle, very skill-based stuff, uh, yeah. I feel. So that's still there. It's super fast. It is a really fast game. Uh, if you want something, you know, slower and more considered, this is not the game for you. Uh, there's an incredible amount of variety in there, uh, and more so even the previous Twisted Metals. Uh, now there's like there's a helicopter, and this isn't just like a hovering helicopter. This thing has full vertical motion, can fly around. Really? Uh, yep, yep. It's a little crazy too. Like I can't imagine. I, I just feel when I'm in the helicopter, I feel so irrelevant to what's going on. It's like they're all down there playing the game, and I'm trying not to hit things and manage my altitude. Screw the helicopter. I'm going to get a car. Uh, but I imagine that if you wanted to take the time to learn the helicopter, you can do some great stuff with it. Um, they even have, you know, they've always had the, uh, what, what do you call the top half of a, one of those semis, one of those trucks? The cab, I guess? Yeah, uh, yeah the front. Yeah. yeah, we'll call it the front half of a semi. They've even got, though, they've always had that, but now they've got a full truck you can drive where other players can drive into the back of your truck and man turrets, which is a little crazy. You're driving this <laughs> Death Star around. And here's the thing about this. One of my problems with Twisted Metal, it's so poorly documented. I just want to oh, I want to just kick those guys in the shin for putting a cool feature like that in there. And I could just imagine myself thinking, I'm going to drive one of these huge semis with the trailer, and I'm going to be piloting you know, the equivalent of like a B-17, and I'm playing the game, and nobody freaking knows to get in the back of my truck because there's no place in the game that teaches you that. You have to like read the little tool tips. Uh, it's not even in the manual. You have to physically go to this little online collection of tool tips and shuffle through them. So, if, if I'm not mistaken, weren't the other Twisted Metals kind of like that too? There's... There's never very good documentation there, about one of, what one the, of the powers things, were and how they worked and all that stuff. One of the things the other Twisted Metals did is they would, if I'm not mistaken, they would force you to play one of the cars in a campaign mode. Oh, yeah. And you would sort of get used to the, the peculiarities of that car. They, they, I don't think they distinguished the cars so much in that each car always had a special weapon. But now, Jason, cars have a special weapon, which has an alternate firing mode. A lot of them have little gimmicks that I don't recall in Twisted Metal. Like, for instance, there's a, a motorcycle, and that's nothing new. There have been motorcycles in Twisted yeah. Metal. This motorcycle special ability is a chainsaw. No big deal. But one of the things they don't tell you unless you read the freaking tooltips is that if you do a wheelie while you've got the chainsaw, the chainsaw scrapes on the ground. It gets glowing hot. And for a brief amount of time, it does a lot of extra damage. Now, uh -huh. if they made you play through a campaign mode with that motorcycle, I think that would be really cool. Do that. Teach the player. You know, Give the player some avenue to learn these skills, the, these tools that the different vehicles have, and then turn them loose in multiplayer. The single player in Twisted Metal does none of that. When you play the single player, you take any car you want, 
you are always and only fighting against a bazillion, not a bazillion, but, but up to 10 other AI cars who don't fight each other. They only fight you. Um, oh, like, God, I hate that. That's I, absolute truth from what I've seen so far. Good God. It, it is it is absolutely wretched. The pile on, pile yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, if you like being swarmed and, and having a bunch of cars sort of freeze lock you, you know, they'll fire their freeze ray, they'll ram you. If you like not being able to drive and fight and use your weapons, boy, the single player in Twisted Metal right up your alley uh it, it's it's awful it's just terrible it, and the thing is that all this detail the like the you know the motorcycle doing the wheelie to to, to make the the chainsaw heat up so it can do more damage you would never do that in the stupid single player uh, yeah. So all these cool options in multiplayer, the single player does nothing to introduce them. The single player, the cutscenes are kind of cool, but there's aggravating boss fights. Just I hate the single player. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I've only played like a little bit so far, but yeah, I absolutely noticed the pylon. Yeah, it gets yeah. like really crazy. In fact, uh, I was having a hard time just like targeting anyone because I was getting rammed like yeah. nonstop. It's uh, but I mean the cutscenes were. Uh, there's something else. You can tell it's the David Jaffe joint. <laughs> I actually like the characters. I mean, <laughs> oh, so I, do I. I love the characters. I think they're obnoxious and over the top. And exactly. Pretty awesome. And these are live action. Live action yeah. in that they're live action actors in front of a green screen, so it's completely animated backgrounds. But it looks cool, and they make it look creepy. And uh, you know, I like that stuff. But it, as a single player game, this is you know steer clear of, of twisted metal. Uh, but as a multiplayer game, I'm really excited to play it. Unfortunately, uh, it just came out the, early this week. The freaking multiplayer is broken for me. Uh, I've been trying to go online. They had some press games before the game came out, and those never had more than like eight people in them. It goes up to, I think, 16 players in one game. So that always felt a little limited. A lot of the folks playing were from the developer, so <laughs> I either feel like anytime I killed them, I feel like they let me kill them because I was pressed. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so I was excited for the game to come out so I could join in games and I could play the press games with no problem. But ever since it's been out, I'm getting a network error. Uh, that I and I think they've said something about this is something they're working on and there's an update coming. But for the the day or so that it's been out, I have not been able to try multiplayer, which is really aggravating because that's obviously the main appeal of what they're doing. Uh, and I feel like if you want a unique deathmatch style game, because really there's nothing quite like Twisted Metal out there. And if you're willing to deal with the multiplayer only, uh, I, I I heartily recommend uh, uh, Twisted Metal. Now, how much are they asking for a game that? has no real serviceable single player and is pretty much just a multiplayer game. Oh, what is this a sixty dollar game? Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm going to assume Jason Cross, you were asking me something that I have no knowledge of, so I will defer to Jason R. McMaster's Oh of course. It's a sixty dollar yeah. game. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, but I, I don't know for sure. Uh, I can't imagine the thing is I don't think Jason that they're they're billing it as a it's not like Starhawk where they acknowledge yeah. There's no single player. I mean, they've put the campaigns in, they've put the cutscenes in, they've put in these wretched, mm. wretched boss fights uh, that you have to get oh. past. So, yeah. I haven't tried that Starhawk yet, but uh, I'd like to because I like the uh, the first one. McMaster, it's multiplayer only. I just yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, the, that was the first one. The, whatever it was called, I don't remember what it was called. Uh, Warhawk. Uh, oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Warhawk, right? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of the things that they include when you get Twisted Metal, by the way, is a code. To download yeah. Twisted Metal Black, which is the yep. last Twisted Metal game that was out. Uh, I guess I didn't even really realize this, but it was on the PS2. I certainly remember playing it. Uh, so because I couldn't play multiplayer, I was like, "Well, screw Twisted Metal. I'm going to take a look back. I'm going to have a. I'm going to reminisce and play a little Twisted Metal Black." So I downloaded it, 
and I booted it up. And I don't know how long it's been since either of you has seen a PlayStation 2 game or Twisted Metal Black, but booting it up went a little something like this. Okay, I'm booting it up. There's a splash screen, and now I'm in the game. And Oh, God, these graphics! Oh, Lord, yeah. that's awful! Yeah. Oh, sweet, baby Jeebus, this is terrible. Get me out of yeah. here. Yeah, I, it's pretty awful. My, my memory has improved those graphics so much. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I can't wait for the day when that's how we feel about, like, Xbox 360 and PS3 games. I cannot imagine that, Jason. Will that ever It's hard to imagine that, but we thought those graphics were awesome when they were new. We looked at Metal Gear Solid, and we were like, wow! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but Twisted Metal Black it did not stay on my uh, PlayStation 3's hard drive for very long. I, I feel bad. So, it's a uh, good so game but, if you can handle that. <laughs> <laughs> so, McMaster, you have Twisted Metal. Yeah, I actually uh, just got it uh, right before the podcast. Uh, only played a little bit. Uh, I'm a big fan uh, as well, so I was hoping it would be pretty good, but I can't get online and uh, single player. Yeah, it's just kind of. I will say I like the the level that I've you know the San whatever the California City the first one. That's actually a really really cool level. Uh, really large. Well, they, they're really good about uh, making levels and sort of rewarding exploration and going up yeah. to little nooks and crannies. I mean, basically, the multiplayer, as far as I can tell, is all about you get in your car and you immediate, immediately stock up on as many weapons as you can. And to do that, you have to drive around in buildings and find them and crannies and whatnot. And once you've done that, you then just jump into the fray and just let loose with all your weapons and <laughs> do as much damage yeah. as you can. Uh, no, it's not always that easy because people will mess with you. And, and there are a lot of cool new things. Like there's a tow truck now who can heal up friendly folks on, on, on your team. Um, there's a cool team-based mode, like, sort of like a capture the flag mode where you have to capture a, a missile launcher and then launch a missile into the other guy's giant robot. And uh, so there's some, But as far as deathmatch goes, it, it's almost like an Unreal Tournament thing, like where you get in, you get as much armor, as many weapons as you can, and then you hunt someone. Uh, and and that's what I'm kind of like looking forward to is like uh, you know the first time I played like this map of course in this version I don't know where the hell anything is but you know once you kind of get like accustomed to it it is fun to go you know snipe someone which is ridiculous with a car uh, you know but uh, yeah <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to playing some multiplayer uh, we should once it comes up uh, I'll shoot you. Uh, I may not let you do that. Well, real quick, though, McMaster, now we, we should double-check. On what platform did you get Twisted Metal? I got it on the uh, ColecoVision. Oh, uh, because I got the Atari 2600 version. So uh, that guy, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to build a converter. Did Jason Cross, I'm guessing you got the, yeah. uh, the iPad version. No, I got it for the iP uh, iPod Touch. It's an iPod Touch exclusive. That's uh, called an right. iPhone for all intents and purposes, because that's what I have, and I always call it an iPhone, and it's only only pedantic Macintosh cultists correct me <laughs> about that. Well, that and you pretend to talk into it, so I mean, there's yeah. yeah. I I that's called that's called acting, McMaster. I'm doing a performance. Oh, yes, uh, that's acting. a performance piece. Yeah. <laughs> the theater. Uh, so I have a, I have a theory that I think that in this next little match, Jason R. McMaster will win. But I would like us to go around the table and find who here is most likely to have his car be featured in a Twisted Metal game. As the driver of a Honda Fit, I don't think that would be me. 
Uh, Jason Cross, what do you drive, and how well would it adapt in a Twisted Metal game? Uh, I actually, I guess I'm exempt from this or something, because I have not had a car in eight years. Ah. And do not drive. Okay, well, you know what? Hold that thought. Cause McGrath- I mean, I'm capable of driving. I have a driver's license. But if I were to ask you what car you have, you would not have an answer for that, right? right. I do not have a, an answer for that. Okay, so McMaster, what is your vehicle, and how well suited would it be to Twisted Metal? I have a Dodge Dakota truck, and uh, it's kind of dented in on the side. Perfect. Uh, I'll tell you what I have. Huh? I have. I don't have a. I don't have a car. I have the level. The level? What do you mean? I live in San Francisco. That's true. I have I have the best level. No, you know what we're going to do for you, Jason Cross? We're going to have yeah. you be one of the pedestrians in the game because you don't have um, that far. So, you can be Axel. Okay. You know, the dude with the giant wheels on either side? That'd be great. No, oh. you, you need really no, big wheels. No, so, wheels. so, Jason, you're yeah. going to be one of the pedestrians. Uh, can I be one of the, the clown guy or whatever? No, we just need you to be a regular dude that we run over. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Until you get a car, maybe then you'll 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 be eligible for something more dramatic. Yeah, they actually do a thing in uh, in multiplayer where when you kill another guy's car, he runs around. Yeah, Yeah. his driver runs around in flames, and he either gives you uh, I don't know if it's boost juice or or maybe repairs your health. But uh, if you run over the flaming, screaming, panicking, running driver from the car you've just destroyed, <laughs> you, you do heal up some. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. Like, it does that in single player, too. I ran over the guy, one of the guys, the guy oh, driving yeah, right. yeah. the tractor trailer guy. Yeah, that's definitely in single player. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what? I really think single player, and it's a shame they don't advertise it as this because it just feels a little disingenuous with how crappy the, the AI and the campaign is. But I think single player is, is not good for much beyond like learning the maps. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and you can, to their credit, you can set bots in there. Uh, now, they'll only attack you. You can't play any of the team-based games. They suck at, like, they don't seem to go after power-ups and health and stuff like that. But mm. if you just want to practice weapons and learn a level, I, I guess the single player is okay for that. Yeah, I mean, you could set one bot so that they don't just constantly get piled on and then just tool around the level, finding where all the power-ups are. I must confess that I've done a fair amount of that, Jason Cross. I, I, I would too. Ashamed. Yeah, so... All right, so uh, for our games of the week, uh, a little Star Wars, uh, a little Twisted Metal, a little Rayman Origins. Uh, McMaster, who has won this week's Game of the Week pick? Game of the week pick. Gosh, it's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go with me because I'm great. Mm, I'm sorry, you're wrong. We're documenting uh, points. Uh, the correct answer is Jason Cross. Oh, oh really? Damn it. Mm. Rayman Origins is so good. I mean, I'm just so... It, it actually is, yeah. It, it is. Like you, it's like you said. It's just one of those games that I makes you smile. Uh, it's full of charm. Yeah, yeah. So, McMaster, you were close, though, but I'm sorry. I was. I, 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 I <laughs> uh, picked so, eight, Jason. You did, exactly. You got you got the first name right. Uh, so, uh, Jason R. McMaster, who is joining us on the Games Podcast next week? In theory, Pyrrhic is joining us next week on the Games Podcast. Uh, is next week the 22nd? Yes. Wait, wait a minute. Who's de- Oh, actually, I guess you may not have known this. Uh, no, next week we have a fellow named Jeff Atwood. Uh, oh, nice. Okay. Who most folks know as, as Wumpus. Uh, and I will be... <laughs> Wumpus, <Yeah>. really? <laughs> good, good. 
And uh, I should warn folks, there will be uh, – Wumpus sent me a very special gift once, so I will be thanking him in person. It's not a speech or anything. You don't, you're not going to have to listen to a thank you speech. But uh, you will be hearing about what gift Wumpus physically sent to me. It required the use of my address. And uh, you, I, you can imagine, took a leap of faith to give Wumpus my mailing address. <laughs> But it turned out best, and, and you'll hear about that more uh, next week. Uh, Jason Cross, thank you for hanging out with us today. Uh, it's been my pleasure. What game coming out are you most psyched about? Uh, let me see. There's not a lot coming really soon, is there? I mean, we, how I, far we had do you a, want to go? We had a spate of great stuff. Well, I was thinking of March 6th. What if I, cut, what if I put the deadline <laughs> for March 6th? What would that do for uh, you? Does that say anything to you? Maybe not. Are we in, are we in the middle of GDC? I'll probably no. That's Mass Effect, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Mass Effect, yeah. and that's so I am looking forward to that uh, and continuing my characters. You know, all yeah. the stuff they saved on my character save file. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Glenda and I will both be playing that one a lot. She has the coolest. She's playing Femshep, and she spent forever uh, doing the custom character thing, uh, and it looks like her are like older, harder sister or something. <laughs> <laughs> it looks very much like her in the future. At about, at about 40, having gone through some battle, and Femship has, like, the best voice acting and stuff, and it's just, I like watching her play just because it's, it, she looks really awesome and it totally kicks ass. I'm really yes. looking forward to this play. So wait, hold on a second. Jason Cross, you're the dude? You play Dude Shepherd in Mass Effect? I do. <sighs> I yes, unfortunately I I right. do because whatever you guys better. Bo- you guys are both doing it wrong. I've heard, I've been told, and I've been told when I tell people I don't like Mass Effect Two, I get various explanations for why that is. And one of the explanations I hear for why I didn't, why I don't like Mass Effect Two, and I'm wrong, and I instead should like it, is because I played Dude Shepherd, and the Chick Shepherd it's, is it's much called, better actress. It's called Bro Shep. Bro Shep. Yes, I'm I'm yes. a Bro Shep. <laughs> uh, now, yeah. Um, Nothing wrong with Brochep, but Femshep is better. What are you talking about? Nothing wrong with Brochep. He is such a doofus. <laughs> that guy is really a doofus. I, I just want to say. Uh... Yeah, I feel cheated yeah. because I, I played Mass Effect uh, on the 360, and then I, I was sent a Mass Effect 2 review copy for the PC, and so I don't have any like carryover uh, uh, saved. At. You, as far as what I'm looking forward saves? to. Oh, sorry. Well, I lost my saves for Mass Effect 2, and uh, I didn't play it on the 360. All right. Well, you can choose okay. with your setup at the beginning of the game. And yeah, I know. It just feels right. wrong. Right. Are you going to play 3 on the PC? Yeah, I might. You, I would do that because what they did for 2 is some hackers made a thing that would, uh, an app, application that would give you all of the, the ah. plot choice points and then create a fake save file. That nice. you can oh. then import to the game. So if That's you play, almost like I'm the sure they will do it for three, right? Like, I'm sure they'll do it for three, where they go, they go. Here's the hundred decisions you could have made. Just choose what your decisions were. We'll dump out this fake save file that you can then import to Mass Effect. I know they're going to do that because they did it with two, the yeah. gaming community. It'll take them a couple weeks, but you know. Did you uh, play? Uh, probably not. Uh, Mass Effect Two on the PS3 had like a whole. Uh, you got to make a bunch of choices, et cetera, et cetera, things, since you didn't get to play the first one on the PS3. Hmm. 
Now, I have a question about Mass Effect 2. That uh, When I played Mass Effect 2, I remember it ending very poorly, and I actually kind of like that about it. But in Mass Effect 2, can all of the characters die pretty much? Like, for instance, can, can Morden die? That uh, Is he in a sorry? Yes. What, he can die? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can kill just about everybody. Can, can Miranda die? Sure. Can Liara die? Wait, maybe, maybe, maybe not later. Liara can't die because she can't be in your party at the end. Okay. Because she's off of the Shadow Broker thing, right? Yeah, it's the choices you make for who's going to do what during the final mission. You're on the thing going, you're going to go through the vents. Right, right, right. You can kill half your crew by choosing the wrong things there. But it seems like characters who are, from what I know about Mass Effect 3, which is a fair amount, Mm -hmm. characters that should figure prominently into the storyline in Mass Effect 3, I'm astonished that they can have died in Mass Effect 2, and I'm just curious how, what kind of narrative gymnastics Bioware has to do to work around that. Uh, You know, they often offer... Two branches for two different characters that can do the same thing. Like uh, right. like in Mass Effect Two, did, or the first one, you had that girl that can die, or the other, or the guy that can die, and they mm-hmm. basically just kind of take over the other character's part. Right, right. You know? So like that, they probably have some fail safes like that. I would, I would think. All right, but I, yeah. I'm astonished to hear that Morden could have died, though. Uh, I, I'm sure, I, you know, I probably killed him. So, so uh, well, uh, have either of you tried the demo, by the way, which just came out? No, I'm actually going to try that and go stare at uh, Xbox Live Arcade and pray for Epic Quest. <laughs> I am going to download that, and I, too, am going to be waiting uh-huh. on Epic Quest. And I'm uh, <laughs> other games I'm waiting for, since you said, are, uh-huh. I know they're getting really close on Torchlight 2. Yay. And, and Diablo 3 is looking like it keeps getting pushed back. So yeah, it's second quarter now, so I'm like, yeah, yeah that's completely yeah. off my radar. Is once they once they push it yeah. that far in the future, and since it's Blizzard, I'm like, okay, well, I'll, yeah. I'll stop looking forward to Diablo 3 till you guys have more to say. Yeah, right. aren't they releasing well, Happy, close, Happy Panda Town? I mean, pretty soon. For what, like, McMaster? Aren't they releasing Happy Panda Town for World of Warcraft? Too. I mean, Blizzard's releasing a lot of stuff. This uh, year. That's not until like holiday season or something. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, I know yeah. they had Diablo three, and then there was one other thing I think they were talking about. Right. I can't remember. Well, they've got the next uh, StarCraft two, the next right. Oh. StarCraft two or whatever. Heart yeah, of the next. Heart of the Swarm. Right. Right. So. Heart of the. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> McMaster, I'll give you a weapon in StarCraft 2 if you ever want one. Just let I, me know. I tried to get you to play sometimes. I think you're afraid of how bad I am. All right, it is on. Drag you on. into infinity with me. Join us next week, and we will give you the results of uh, Tom Chick versus Jason R. Beta McMaster in a to-the-death StarCraft match. Uh, all right, so thank you for joining us. If you would like to be on the Quarter to Three podcast, our opinion on that is that we would like to have you on the Quarter to Three podcast. So uh, drop me an email at tomchick at quarter2three.com if you want to join us. We'd love to have you. Uh, furthermore, we will be your best friends, uh, all three of us. Jason Cross has volunteered for this. If you, yep. uh, if you rate us on iTunes and or like us on Facebook. You don't have to do both of those, just one or the other, and then all three of us will be your best friends. Uh, I know. So, yep. So give that some thought. Consider it. 
make up your own mind and then and then uh, do as you see fit, uh, and we can be your friends. Uh, join us next week with uh, Jeff Atwood, a.k.a. Wumpus. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Jason McMaster and Jason Cross. Uh, thanks for being here, and we'll talk to you later. Good night, everyone. Good night.